And welcome into episode 13 of the Tar Devils podcast. My name is Tyler Rosari, the always objective Duke fan in this duo with my good buddy John Bowman, the always biased UNC fan, of course. John, finally a week of basketball that we've been waiting for. I think a week of basketball that we thought we'd have when we decided to start this podcast throughout the year. Both Duke and UNC rounding out and looking very good. Finally, at the same time, should be a great episode here. John, go ahead and tell our listeners what we're going to be talking about this week on this episode. Yeah, Tyler, it's arguably the best week for UNC and Duke so far this season. North Carolina had a big win over Louisville. They beat Northeastern earlier in the week. And then Duke, of course, two wins in conference. They beat up Wake Forest pretty badly. And then Virginia, that big win yesterday to beat the Cavaliers by one point. A lot to talk about, a lot to discuss on today's podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about North Carolina in the first segment, review North Carolina's win over Louisville. Um, Really, what the heck happened? Because North Carolina was a 4.5-point favorite. They were favored by 4.5 points, and they won by 45. They just totally blew everyone's expectations out of the water, Vegas's expectations out of the water. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Then in segment two, we're going to talk a lot about Jalen Johnson's decision. I am really curious to hear what Tyler has to say about this, how he's going to defend the Duke Brotherhood after this latest incident. Um, but we'll get into all that, and we'll talk about Duke's win over Virginia in the ser- in the second segment. And then we'll close out like we usually do with an update on the ACC at large. We're one week closer to the ACC tournament, so we're getting excited for that. Tyler, should we jump in, talk about UNC? Yep. All right, John. UNC, as you mentioned, they add Powerhouse Northeastern to their schedule last week. Well, you called that UNC would add a game. You did say that last week. I called that it would be a terrible team in place of a ranked Virginia Tech team, but UNC surprised me and didn't make a bottom ACC team their next scheduled opponent. They took just a garbage team in general as their next opponent. So then they follow that up. They win a nice little easy game, and they follow up and play Louisville. John, rate UNC's week. How'd they do? Um, Tyler, I'd just like to first point out that if you're going to come at UNC for scheduling games against bad non-conference opponents, Duke, they canceled their games against the bad non-conference opponents. So I don't know where... uh, Yeah, so UNC fluffs their schedule, and Duke gets no fluff. Uh, I guess that's one way of looking at it. Or UNC was willing to take the risk, and they decided, okay, we'll play Northeastern. We don't have to play this game, but we love competing so much. We're going to throw extra games on their schedule. And they're playing Marquette on Wednesday. Marquette is is not a good team, but according to Ken Palm rankings, which uh, you know I'm a big fan of, they're the 83rd team in the country. So that's not Marquette, that's not Marquette could be trouble, but UNC was supposed to play the 18th ranked team and instead plays Northeastern. That's the only point I want to make there. Powerhouse Northeastern, and they did win. <laughs> they did win, and it kind of went just as I thought it might when I talked about this last week on the pod with you, Tyler. So North Carolina kind of ironed out some kinks on Wednesday. They beat North Northeastern by 20 points, and then they followed that up on Saturday against Louisville. This was arguably the best uh, we've seen North Carolina play all season. 
Um, let's see, for in terms of highlights, it's it's hard to know where to start. Dayron Sharp had about 21 points and uh, 10 total rebounds, I believe, for him, or it could have been actually 11 rebounds for Dayron. But really, everyone showed up and played well. Kerwin Walton had uh, 19 points. Garrison had 12 points. Armando Baycott had 14 points. Walker Kessler had 10. That's four front court players that scored in double digits for the Tar Heels. They kind of fulfilled the destiny or fulfilled the potential that we were expecting way back at the beginning of the season. We were talking all about how North Carolina had this impressive group of front court players. They had so much depth. They would just be able to attack the offensive glass and dominate in the post. And this has really been the first game all season where we've seen that level of domination for the Tar Heels. It was also a big game for the freshman class. This was a freshman class for UNC that was ranked number two coming into the country. It's a class that's seen their ups and downs over the course of the season. We've talked a lot about that with Caleb Love. Uh, to a lesser extent with Walker Kessler, he's been up and down, but they all really played well. Um, there was a stretch in the first half, at the end of the first half, where it was really only freshmen scoring for North Carolina. So an impressive win for the Tar Heels. We'd be remiss if we didn't address the fact that Louisville basically took a three-week break before this game. Uh, so they had a COVID pause. They played on Monday, February 1st, and then they played again on February 20th against the Tar Heels. So that's 19 days off. But I think this, this game also showed how much North Carolina has improved this season. We sort of saw them fulfill their potential. Tyler, your thoughts? Well, you say we'll be remiss to you know, not mention Louisville not playing in a while. Don't worry, I'll mention it. I'll get into that. <laughs> um, also, quick shout out to Walker Kessler getting more minutes. He got a fresh fade, a nice little haircut, and now he's balling. Who would have thought? You know, look good, play good. All right, so, John, I may surprise you with this. My one word, my one word of the week for UNC, pathetic. Absolutely wow. pathetic. Wow. I'm going to tell you why. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so like we mentioned, you were supposed to play 18th ranked team earlier this week. Instead, you play Northeastern at home. Pathetic, to be honest with you. You didn't play. I knew UNC wouldn't schedule a team that you could lose because you know you're you're on the bubble, and you can't afford to lose games. So, I mean, it's expected, but kind of pathetic. Then you play Louisville, who had four games postponed. And not only four games postponed, they couldn't even practice. 19 days they have before they played a game, and you, they haven't even been able to practice. And now Louisville gets, what, 40 or 50-piece? You know when Louisville earlier this year had two games in a row canceled? Do you know what the game was the next game they played? I Wisconsin. They lost, they lost 40 yeah. points to Wisconsin, 40. Wisconsin's not about to be ranked after this week. They look good early, but they're not, not about to be ranked. So now you get double that. You get four games canceled, 19 days off, no practice, and UNC smokes them. It's not a surprise, not a surprise. But, of course, they played the game because Roy needs every quality. You can't see me, but quoting quality <laughs> wins now with – a Louisville team, well, the committee's just going to see they beat Louisville. They're not going to see that Louisville had 19 days off, no practice, missing two scholarship players, five walk-ons, but, you know, who cares about them, right? That's probably what the team says anyway. Who cares? Five walk-ons we can play. <laughs> but, I mean, to be honest, it's, everything is going UNC's way right now. And to schedule Northeastern, 
and then to play a Louisville team, make sure that game was played after three games were just postponed to Wednesday, three days prior. You know, I think that's pretty pathetic as well. And I just want to touch on something that's not necessarily UNC's fault, but the god-awful NCAA ranking. I don't know how you feel about the net rankings, John, but I'm about to rip it apart. So, I mean, I've mentioned that I don't like these net rankings at all in the past. And if you look at Ken Palm, which you love, Duke's 30th, UNC's 29th. Look at BPI, which is ESPN's stat. UNC is 26, Duke is 31. Now, if you want to look at quad ones, quad one wins, which is a new fad, you know, with this net ranking system, Duke has more quad one wins than UNC. But and the two best teams that Duke beat, I believe Georgia Tech, Virginia, are better than a UNC win. Duke has one more loss. UNC did win head to head, so I can see UNC inching them out in the tournament. Although for UNC to be last four in, that Duke not be on the bubble at all. That's not absurd to you. Ken Palm, if you look at his stats, predicted Duke to win his last game by one point. I think it was one or two points, and that's what happened. I think Ken Palm's stats, which there's a reason you like it, and Duke is 30th in that, but they're not on the bubble. It makes no sense to me. And here's why. This is the absolute absurdity of the net rankings. Did you check the changes last week after the games? UNC going into the Louisville game was 53rd in net rankings. After the game, you were 33rd. 20 spot difference off one game. You know what Louisville was before the game? 32. You know what they are now? 53. In one game, an entire season's body of work flipped. UNC and Louisville essentially flipped spots. UNC going to going from 53 to 33. Louisville from 32 to 53. That's unreal. And now it's even more egregious. Duke beat UVA, a top 10 team, and went from 60 to 55th. How in the hell does that happen? How does UNC beat Louisville and jump 20 spots and Louisville and UNC flip spots on an entire season's work on one game? Duke beats UVA, a top 10 team, and goes five spots. It makes zero sense. Absolutely zero. And how the NCAA can, can keep Duke out of the bubble based on these absurd rankings is beyond me. And, you know, it, it's, that's the only thing off a great week of sports, a great week for Duke and UNC. That is ticking me off because when I saw, I thought Duke would jump like 20 spots. And when I saw UNC jump 20 off Louisville and Duke jump about five, I couldn't believe it. Tyler, I want to start. You were comparing Duke and UNC's resumes. I have another way to compare them. No one's ever heard of dot com, you know? <laughs> no, this is actually a pretty common stat. It's 9187, the score of the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you got to see um, us again in two weeks, John. <laughs> yes. It's, next game is coming up. Okay. But to speak to some of your other points, um, your qualms with the net ranking, I think, are fair. But ultimately, at the end of the day, UNC is controlling what it can control, right? So they can't really control those net rankings. They you can can't control, control who you play when you add a game. Well, they, I was about to say they can't control that Virginia Tech got – you know, randomly COVID and they're out for, I, I'm sure UNC would have loved to have the opportunity to play Virginia Tech over North Northeastern. I don't think I mean, so, because you would have lost. Also, I think earlier you scheduled a game, I think it was NC Central, if I'm correctly. Way back in the, yeah. in like January or December. Um, I mean, you have to remember too, Tyler, 
UNC literally put out on Twitter, like, hey, who can play us? Um, I, I think the pickings are pretty slim. Um, honestly, I, I think we both agree the ACC probably could have done a better job of trying to move schedules around and reschedule That's games. That's true. It feels like the ACC has been really rigid this year with their schedules and their moving. Like the UNC-Miami game, that probably could have gotten made up. Um, but I think we've said, oh, we've said um, how many weeks in a row, a couple weeks in a row now. Like, what the hell is the deal with postponements? Yeah. What does that mean? Because it seems to me none of them are getting replayed before the tournament. Um, but I, I agree with that. They, they need to figure that out. But UNC did schedule Marquette. I looked it up. The closest eight, they, the ACC comp to Marquette would be NC State. NC State's ranked yep. a little bit higher. And, and that's a quality team. UNC lost to NC State, um, so they, they've lost to an equivalent team in that sort of area of the rankings before. Um, so I think that UNC is just trying to add some games. I think another aspect of it is the fact that UNC has so few home games this season, and they were really trying to add some home games. Maybe they could have gone on the road and played you know, who knows, Michigan, if they would have gone to Michigan to play them. But I don't think UNC was interested in UNC 8-0 at home this year. It's pretty good. Very impressive. So UNC has a big week ahead. They play Marquette, and then they play Florida State, and then they have just two more games after that. They play Syracuse. I thought they played Boston College at some point. Am I wrong? Uh, the Boston College game isn't on the schedule that I'm looking at. Um, it's possible that it's on a different schedule. Um, but what I'm seeing right now, UNC has four games left this season, closing out with the Duke game on March 6th, which I think is going to be a massive game. Uh, that could that, decide who's in the tournament. Yeah, that's that's going to be a big game for the bubble. With that, let's jump into segment two to talk a little bit about Jalen Johnson. We're back to talk about Duke in segment two of the Tar Devils podcast. The Blue Devils played two games this past week, but the biggest news that we want to kick things off with came last Monday. Duke's star freshman Jalen Johnson saying that he was shutting things down this season. He released a statement. He says, this was not an easy, this was not easy, but we feel it's best for my future. I have nothing but love for the brotherhood and thank my teammates and everyone associated with the program. Um, his fellow players uh, expressed support for him in press conferences after the game on Wednesday. Um, Coach K also supported him. He got some hate on social media. Some people saying he quit on Duke. Uh, there was a lot of noise, even some noise from Jim Beheim at Syracuse. Tyler, what are your thoughts on Jalen Johnson's decision? Yeah, I'm going to touch on some of the commentators in a bit. But, um, yeah, so after Jalen uh, opted out, quit, however you want to put it, it was funny looking at Twitter. A lot of the hate was on Coach K, actually. And some of it, you know, made, there was a lot of points about that's what you get for benching Jalen Johnson. Why would you bench him? Like, that part I can agree with in the fact that Jalen Johnson shouldn't have been benched. Did he have quit? No. but it's, it was interesting because other comments were that um, Coach K lost the locker room, which I thought was bogus because if you lose the locker room, your kids don't play hard. 
There was only one game all season Duke didn't play hard, noticeably play hard, and that was against Miami in a trap game, which I said would happen before. That's just – that's every team does that. And other than that game, these kids – the kids have played their asses off. And they just haven't won the close games. They lost – I talked about last week. They lost six of the games all within one possession in the last couple of minutes, and they just hadn't made the last play. But they were competing. So, no, Coach K hadn't lost the locker room. And then what happened was the hate shifted from Coach K to Jalen Johnson because Duke started winning. Simple as that. And as soon as he le- as soon as he left, Duke blows out Wake by like 30 points. I think they would- ending was like 24 points. It was a 30-point game at one point. Then they have the biggest win of the season, first win against a ranked opponent, and it's being a top-10 opponent in UVA. And so, of course, everyone's going to look at Jalen Johnson and say, okay, you were the problem, selfish. You know, good ratings, Duke's better without you. I'll get into my thoughts in a second, but I just want to touch on what the commentators had to say, um, a lot of the popular commentators in the media. Most notable, Jay Billis. I think he kind of stuck up for Jalen Johnson. And one thing I do want to point out is he said he hadn't heard anything previous before that week about problems in the locker room. And I just want to put that out there because people – that want to point to Jeff Goodman and say he was right. Well, I would trust Jay Billis in the Duke locker room over anyone. The only person I think that had more inside information would maybe be Jay Williams. But if Jay Billis says, no, there'd been no problem before this week, then I'm going to believe him. And you know what? I'm going to believe him because that's also what the tape says. Jalen Johnson was also engaged every, every single game he was injured. He was the most active on the bench, the, the one to run into Wendell's more, Wendell Moore's face after his b- first breakout game of the year against Wake. The anguish on his face when he fouled out against the pit game when he couldn't help his team win, that you can't fake those emotions. So it made Jalen Johnson actually one of my favorite players as a one and done because I could tell he really cared. And it wasn't until he started his minutes started decreasing. Coach K benched him, didn't start him. And then against NC State, he played eight minutes in that game. Didn't play a single minute the second half. And because of that, my immediate thought when I heard that um, I was getting a bunch of texts from my friends saying Colt uh, Duke's, you know, their season's over or whatever. And it was before, it was like maybe 20 minutes before statements came out from Coach K and Jalen. And my thought was Duke is protecting Jalen. His foot's not right. He had just gotten a second MRI a week ago. And the first game after he got a second MRI, that's when his minutes dropped. So to me, it seemed, okay, his foot's not completely back healthy. His minutes dropped because of it. Duke won't say that because it would tank his draft stock, so he opts out. And then 20 minutes later, <laughs> 20 minutes later, they released the statements, and Duke acknowledges the foot injury. And I reached out to one of my friends who covers Duke UNC Triangle Sports for Spectacular Magazine. He said Dalen Johnson wanted to be the man on the team, and he felt like kind of like Carmelo. When he was Carmelo was about to retire from the league, or he was getting pushed out, and he said, I don't need to be a, a bench player either. He still want to be a starter. And he said that was Jalen Johnson's attitude. Other other people were shining. Jeremy Roach was coming into his own. Matt Hurt was the star of the team, and Jalen Johnson wanted to be the man. And to, to me, the, after those statements and the, acknowledging the foot injuries, seems to me that's what happened is Jalen Johnson just got jealous. I don't know jealous, but he couldn't be the man. And he thought in discussing with his family – okay, well, there's no good in me staying here. I'm a, my draft slot's going to tank if I can't even see the floor, so he decided to leave. 
Now, Seth Greenberg touched on this and said, or he was talking about quitting versus opting out because Jalen Johnson said opting out. And Greenberg wasn't the only commentator to say it um, or to, to make a distinction here. And they said, you don't clean out your locker room the day before or the day of your statement if you opt out because you're still engaged with the team. You clean it out and go home if you're quitting. And I have to agree with that. As much as I like Jalen Johnson when he was playing, he did quit flat and simple. There's no other way around it. He with three weeks left in the season, and my, you know, unfortunately, my thought was, damn, I respect the hell out of Cole Anthony. Do you remember what happened last year? Cole had a torn torn meniscus and missed 11 games. John, I'll let you jump in a second, but this was UNC's worst season last year of our entire lifetime, mm-hmm. and as his, of his entire lifetime, and he could have called it quits and just prepared for the draft and no he came back and finished out like a season I think you were six and 14 in ACC losing first losing record in a long time weren't even going to make the NIT and Cole Anthony came back to compete and I respect the hell out of him for that I just wanted to mention that because you can really see a dichotomy here between a lot of the mentalities of the one and done players and you know I wish Jalen Johnson the best but he quit flat flat out and Zion you know, Zion had that shoe incident. Zion had, you know, every yep. single reason to just shut things down because he was obviously going to be the number one pick in the draft. But he went out on that Duke game on February 20th. He was out. He missed five games. But he came back in the ACC tournament for Duke and helped Duke get uh, a couple rounds into the NCAA tournament. So that's a another example of someone who's just, you know, just took a different approach than Jalen Johnson did. Yeah, and what what's really interesting to me is after the weight game, Coach K but was very supportive of Jalen. Kind of, I think Duke has to save face and build brand, and so they're going to have to be supportive regardless. But also DJ Stewart and Matthew Hurt, their comments after the weight game is, oh, Jalen's my guy. Yeah, we're good with him. He made a decision with best for him. And – they respected it. And it kind of surprised me because he did quit on that team and he left. He literally left that same day and moved states back home to go train, get healthy. I don't even know if he probably is fully healthy. They just have to use this as an excuse. I don't know. But then I thought, okay, maybe Duke players enjoy it because now they get the ball more and they can be the man. So maybe they will say we respect it because everyone's getting more playing time now can get focused more. I don't know. I, that just uh, was was interesting to me that a player that quit on them, they were very supportive. But Duke does get trained in media relations. They Each player is, is, gets trained for these post-game conferences. So who knows if it was genuine? I believe it was, but it also could have been something Duke told him to say. John, you want to add something? Yeah, there's, there's a Duke student right now in Poly 100 who's really mad that they have to do their group project by themselves now. Jalen Johnson took off. Um, but to speak to your point as hey, well. Better, hey, at least they're doing the project. UNC didn't even oh, have to. Yeah, you want to bring up that, John? I'll, I'll throw it in your face. Uh, let me give me pivot to making a supporting point to what you said. Okay. Jalen Johnson did not lead his team in percentage of minutes played, but he ate up a ton of possessions. He led Duke in percentage of possessions used and he led them in percentage of possessions that ended with a shot, his shot. Um, second on the team in those numbers uh, was Matthew Hurt. 
um, and DJ Stewart for percentage of possessions used. So it really is a situation where uh, it's a little bit of addition by subtraction. You're taking away Jalen Johnson from the rotation from offensive possessions, but you're allowing Matthew Hurt, you're allowing DJ Stewart, you're allowing Wendell Moore to do a lot more with um, the the offensive possessions that they do have now. So it's a it's a new look Duke team, and I mean I think you have to say that the early returns are really strong. Uh, so, Duke looked really good against Virginia yesterday. Um, I don't know where the hell you dig up these these stats. I don't know where you can find big, biggest percentage of usage that ended in his shot. I don't know where the hell you're going to find those, John. But if there's someone to find stats, it's you. Uh, but I want to before I ask one more question, I want to say that Roach, Stewart, Wendell Moore, Hurt, they were already evolving in the offense before Jalen opted out. It's not like he opted out and then all of a sudden they were good. That's part of the reason Stewart, I mean, Jalen Johnson left was because they were getting balanced scoring and Jalen Johnson didn't have to be the feature anymore. You had so many people, Mark Williams, Coleman, Brakefield, Stewart, Roach, Hurt, everyone that we thought would make this Duke team deep, which they did not early, they were not good early on. They all developed and Roach specifically broke out of that freshman wall that they usually hit, and he's been on a tear recently. And I think, you know, Jalen Johnson didn't ne- leave and didn't necessarily let them, you know, flourish. They had already started to do that before him. But, John, I do want to ask you, is, Jay, is Duke a better team without Jalen Johnson? Because that's what everyone says now. Duke is way better without Jalen Johnson. Big win against – we had blown out NC State in the second half, blowout Wake, beat UVA. What are your thoughts? I'm going to say yes with the caveat being Duke is a better version without Jalen Johnson right now. If you go back to the beginning and you take Jalen Johnson off the team in November um, and you miss out on a whole season of Jalen Johnson developing, getting better, um, I don't think that's a better Duke team. But here's the reality of the situation. This Jalen Johnson kid... He came in with high expectations, but he was hurt for a little bit. He wasn't getting, you know, the minutes that he was expecting. Um, So the season just hasn't gone the way that he's planned it to. And the Blue Devils, I think, are a better team now that he's out of the picture because they can coalesce around the strengths and around the players that have done well in this pandemic-shortened season. They can build around Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore, Jeremy Roach, all those guys. I think that they are better without him right now. What are your thoughts, Tyler? I think that's a fake narrative. And I'm going to give you a similar situation that happened in the pros with Kyrie Irving. Um, Duke is way less talented with Jalen Johnson, um, but they're playing better right now. And let me compare this to when Kyrie Irving was in Boston. And he was injured for a number of games. When he came to Boston, Boston was leaving the conference finals with Isaiah Thomas. They had to trade Isaiah Thomas because he was hurt. And bringing Kyrie, they think they're going to go to the championship. And they sucked that year. And the games that Kyrie played, Boston was awful. The games he didn't play, Boston was great. And that was because when he didn't play, all the role players stepped up to play like they should. And you get Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart all going crazy. Whenever Kyrie wouldn't play. Kyrie came back. Kyrie would play well, 
but every one of those role players that had played well without him sucked when he came back. And it really wasn't that, you know, Boston would be so much worse with Kyrie because Kyrie's such a great talent, the best talented, the most talented player on that team. But for whatever reason, people couldn't play with him. And then Kyrie ends up going to Brooklyn, as we see. He had an awful time in Boston. And then some of the role players for us, Tatum and Brown, both looking at all-star bids. And I think that's what's happening here. Duke is so much less talented without him. But all those role players that suck, like Breakfield had been playing awful. People have been saying Breakfield finally gets the minutes he deserved. No, he did not deserve minutes. When Jalen was playing, Breakfield would come in and suck. He missed every shot, would turn the ball over, and he looked lost on defense. He still looks lost on defense, but at least he's making points now. And, you know, I think maybe for the rest of this season, it, would make, it could get Duke in the tournament because they're playing well right now. But like with Kyrie and Boston, people knew if Boston made the playoffs without Kyrie and Kyrie was injured, Boston's not going to win a championship. They need Kyrie to do that. Same thing here. Duke's not going to be any of the elite teams without Jalen Johnson. You need him on the. You need someone like that on the floor. That's the only. That's really the big only mismatch Duke would have against anyone having Jalen Johnson. No one else has the stature and athleticism to create a mismatch like that. So Duke's going to probably play well against a lot of the teams going forward. But does that give me? Are is their best going to be elite teams without him? No. If they had the best. With him, they could they may have a shot at being the lead team. So I mean, it's weird. They'll play better, but they would need him going forward to beat the lead team. So I don't I don't know if they are better. But at this point too, and where Duke's at, it was really about salvaging the season. They were on the path of missing the NCAA tournament, yep. the way things were going. So I hear you about the championship ceiling. But I think Duke's floor is a lot higher. And they did beat Virginia yesterday. That's a pretty solid win yep. without Jalen Johnson, the team. It's a really interesting question, though. I think all that we can see, all that happens from here on out is we'll just see see how it goes. And um, whatever happens next week with Duke's games, we will be sure to discuss it. They play Syracuse on Monday, and then they play Louisville on next Saturday. A fun scheduling quirk. I'm sure Tyler would like those <laughs> games to be flipped so Duke couldn't beat up on them, but that's Classic. the way that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> Let's jump into our third segment now to talk about the ACC. Okay, although there were a lot of cancellations last week, we still had a number of very good, high-quality games in the ACC. Last Sunday, Georgia Tech uh, beat Pittsburgh 71 to 65. That's big for the kind of middle-tier rankings there in the standings, Georgia Tech over Pitt. FSU smacked UVA 81-60, to a game that John and I were predicting last week. I said FSU was built to beat UVA. Their big guards would overmatch them, and they smacked them. So I won that battle. Fortunately, UNC also pummeled Louisville. So John chose UNC. I chose Louisville. But – I feel duped because I did not know Louisville wasn't going to be able to practice all week and wouldn't play Wednesday. I would move to have that game removed from the schedule. If not, John, you're still up one one game this season in our in our weekly betting. Um, so then Duke also beat Wake 84 to 60. NC State beat Pitt. Also surprised. You NC State had just gotten smacked by Duke and then they uh, beat Pitt. UNC 82 uh, beat Northeastern 60. Uh, they had 62. Uh, Duke, of course, won 66 to 65 against UVA. Something in that game I want to highlight 
real quick. There's two and a half minutes left. Duke is down one point. And did you see what Duke did? They all slapped the floor in unison. I love it. And you know what happened after that? Jam immediately, Jamin Brayfield, Blockier Clark, came back, had an and one. UVA did not score a single point in the game after Duke slapped the floor. Love to see it. Love to see it. FSU also beat Pitt later in the week. Georgia Tech beat Miami 87-60. to Biggest shot game of the week. Cuse beat Notre Dame 75-67. to Maybe the final score is not a shock, but Notre Dame was up 20 points in the second half. And I think uh, Cuse went on something like a 40-12 to like end of that game run. Insane. And then, uh, like I mentioned, Louisville lost to, to UNC. So next week, Duke and Syracuse, a quick turnaround, a Monday game. They both played Saturday, a Monday game. I think is a trap game. Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, also a big game. Georgia Tech running off some wins. Like I said, man, they're a good team. I think they could beat Virginia Tech here. UNC Marquette, UNC versus Wojciechowski. We'll see how that goes. UNC FSU later. John, this could be a big week for you, man. And then, as John mentioned, the last segment, Duke Louisville to close out the day. We're gonna our first pick this week is gonna be Duke and Syracuse. I think it's a classic trap game. John, who who are you gonna go with, Duke or Cuse? You have to keep in mind this game is we record this podcast on Sunday, so this game is tomorrow. It's on Monday as you all are listening to this. Um, I think Duke keeps the momentum going. Um, they've got a little bit of pep in their step after the two ACC wins last week. The game is so quick afterwards. I think they just keep the hot shooting going. I think they keep the momentum going, and they beat Syracuse. It sounds like you feel differently. I actually do. Do you remember what happened last time Duke was on a high after a Saturday and played a Monday game? They lost to Miami mm -hmm. in the trap game before UNC, mm -hmm. and I saw that coming. And considering that Syracuse shoots the shit out the ball, and Duke gives up a ton of threes. Duke's feeling themselves right now, and they're young. I think Cuse could pull it out and stops a lot of the momentum for Duke. I hope it doesn't happen. I'd love to be wrong. But uh, it already happened this season. I don't love this Monday turnaround for a young team, so I'm going to actually pick Syracuse. Okay, second game, Duke-UNC matchup. We got UNC versus Marquette. UNC versus Roy Williams versus Wojciech. Wojciechowski, I think, <laughs> however you pronounce his last name, Wojo. Uh, John, you going with UNC or going with Wojo? Yes, this is a very interesting game. Um, some background around Marquette. They're 10 and 12 this season, um, but they have basically only won their last two. Uh, they're two and six in their last couple games, and their only wins have been over Butler. Butler, of course, is not very good. Uh, they've regressed a little bit since almost beating Duke in the national championship. Um, I don't think this Marquette team is very good at the moment. Um, and given the way that UNC played, I'm kind of keeping the same thesis that UNC will keep the momentum going. Quick shout out to my freshman year roommate, Ryan, the only person I know who is a Marquette and UNC fan. So he's going to have a tough time cheering on in this game. But I'm picking UNC. Interesting. Hey, nice shout out to the uh, 2010 championship Duke team. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, Butler almost on an illegal screen, almost won it, but no. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> man, as much as I want to pick Wojo and go against the grain, 
I am down one in these betting, so I'm going to have to uh, – I already went on a limb with Q, so I'll have to play it safe with this one and, and say UNC is going to win just because Marquette cannot battle with any of your bigs down low. I think it's going to be – this game's at, at home for UNC, right? I think that helps as well. UNC's 8-0 at home. John, you want to jump in? going to have to start writing our picks down on note cards and secretly submitting them if you're going to just copy my picks here on in. I see how it is. <laughs> copy picks. I just picked Syracuse over Duke. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. going to be an interesting week of college basketball for sure. We are getting ever closer to the ACC tournament as well, closer to March Madness, which, knock on wood, looks like it's all going to happen as scheduled, which is super-duper exciting. Tyler, let people know where they can listen to the podcast, where they can find us. Yep, please follow us on Twitter at Tar Devils Podcast. And as always, tweet reactions to the episode and any questions or any topics you want to come up in future shows, we'll try to work them in. And you can also listen and subscribe on Spotify at Tar Devils Pod or at Apple Podcasts. Uh, thank you for tuning in and um, talk to you next week. Thank you.